Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Don't look at the title that I have written down there for the sermon. That's not what we're going to talk about, the angels. Uh, Yeah, I wrote that. I gave that to Sarah like a month ago or something like that, but I, I found something better, better than that. There was a father and son camping. Maybe you've done that before, tenting, backpacking, and setting down and walking further on a well-known trail. This time they went off the trail, and they're in the woods, Uh, and it was dark, and the boy was frightened because he didn't recognize the surroundings or the trail wasn't there and couldn't see the lights of the town nearby. And was afraid and asked his dad, where are we? And the dad says, don't worry, son, I know. And grabbed him by his hand. And that's all the son needed. Didn't need to know where. Didn't know where the town was or where they were going or where the trail was. He was okay because his dad was with him. Right? Remember those days when you were that age? I would say that's what John is getting at when he says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelling in the Greek there, it's fantastic. It's actually tenting. (laughs) It's actually tabernacling. And I think it's really cool because what he's doing, John is bringing back the Old Testament idea of uh, the Israelites who walked around and God had his tent that was the tabernacle and it was movable and he went with them. Isn't that fascinating? Think about that. And now John is saying that God, more so back then with the tabernacle, is tenting with us himself, with his son. You know, it all started, if you remember, there was a time when man walked with God just fine in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were there hanging out, and there was God, and they were together, and uh, there was no sense of separation. And then, within moments of creation, I guess, Adam and Eve decided to rebel and take what's not theirs. A shock, an earthquake in Eden. And the first aftershock of that initial taking what's not yours, which we call sin, was loneliness, separation. 
Because the first thing that happened when Adam and Eve sinned is that they realized that they were naked. And that's not a good thing. And they covered themselves up. And by covering themselves up, they hid from one another. They no longer could, as Moses said, be naked and not ashamed. Everything was just right. I mean, Adam just cried out when he saw Eve. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. It was the perfect marriage. They were united. Everything was just right. But now... They distrusted even each other. Because when you conspire together, (laughs) you end up always throwing the other one under the bus. (laughs) And so they covered up and God addressed them. And Adam continues to push Eve away by throwing her to the wolves and says, the reason why I did it is because this woman made me do it. Suddenly she's just this woman, right? She was Eve, bone of my bone, but now she's this woman. And more so, Adam says, that you gave me. The shock is sin. The aftershock, the first aftershock is separation and ultimately loneliness. And from then on, there's a certain loneliness that entered the world that can be worse than death. When you really feel alone. It's usually what people say when they are clinically depressed. It is a deep Loneliness. And they went out of the garden. They were pushed out of the garden. And now they're apart from God and they're apart from one another. And ever since then, that is, that's humanity. And I would suggest that not only are we generally separated from one another, even, even uh, I mean, it's the obvious situation when someone's in prison, they are separated, they are alone, they are away from family and friends. That's obvious as a repercussion of sin. But there are people that are just surrounded by everything you possibly want. Friends and family, this Christmas time, by the tree, some of you might be sitting there and everything should be great, but you will feel alone. Because sin causes that broken relationships, but it even causes you to be separated from yourself. You are not actually the person, the essence of humanity that you're supposed to be, but corrupted. And I know you know that because we feel that, the tension in our lives, that always sense of lacking. And today, and more so in America ever, I think there's an identity crisis. What does it mean to be human? And some people are solving this with, I think, false solutions. But the desire is correct that there's something wrong with me. We feel alone, not just from one another, but from ourselves. This is the aftershock of sin. I know you know what that feels like. So God sees what Adam and Eve does, and he saw what we do. I mean, we can complain about being alone, but we don't exactly help our situation out by pushing people away with our words and our actions, and God also, because we just want to make ourselves feel happy and do whatever it means to just sort of take care of ourselves. And when you do that, you always hurt others. But instead, just leaving us in our loneliness, God not only sent prophets, apostles, and people to tell Israel to turn around, God came to us 
He reached out to humanity. He didn't wait for us to meet him halfway. He didn't wait for us to call out to him. We, he didn't wait for us to come together. And that's very important when you do marriage counseling, premarital counseling or whatever. If you want to solve an argument in a couple, don't wait. You know, kind of like a nuclear submarine where we need to both turn our key at the same time. Act. Love. Be the first one to do that. And God, more than did that, came here himself. Took on our flesh. United us back to him in his body. Recreated humankind in himself. Corrected the DNA that had gone wrong. That's what Christmas is. The incarnation is God taking on flesh, perfecting, returning your broken bones and broken mind and broken spirit in the person of Jesus Christ, uniting himself to you forever. And that's what we celebrate, that crazy love of God. But if it just stopped there at the cradle, it'd only be halfway done. Because then Christ takes himself, and what does he do? Just as John says, the word became flesh and he tented among us. He wouldn't let us be alone in the woods off the path. But tabernacled, tented, walked with us. And I love how John sort of talks about Jesus. It blows him away. First John chapter 1, he says the same sort of thing. He's like, we beheld his glory. And what he means by that is, this is not some weird Mohammedic vision or Joseph Smith vision. He touched this Jesus. This Jesus touched him. He heard him. He smelled his breath, the breath of God. He saw the healings. He saw the love. It wasn't just an idea, a feeling. And when John says we beheld his glory, I promise you this is exactly what he's thinking of. Staring up with his mother at the cross. The glory of God is shame to us. The beauty of God is ugliness to us. And the strength of God is weakness to us. As the word made flesh dwelt between two thieves. Between humanity, right with us. You can never doubt that God is with you when you look to the cross. He will go wherever you go. Even to our punishment. Even to our grave. Talk about fulfilling what his name is, Emmanuel. God with us. God in the grave there, Jesus, lie. And three days later rose again. So that you would never be alone. And he sends out his church, which means people. To find you wherever you are at. Not waiting for you to come back to him or come into, these, into this room or to meet him halfway or let's negotiate. No, he came to you just like when you baptize a baby. Indeed, they have no choice in the matter. That's absolutely correct. Neither did you. God found you and hugged you in the waters of baptism and 
became flesh, and he, dw and he dwells with you today. Through his body and blood that we're going to consume, through the words of one another, when you see someone else feeling down, it is your responsibility. You are Jesus in this world. He is indeed still with us, tabernacling, tenting with us. God is here physically in the world through his church. And I'm not talking about, it's not metaphorical. It is true. It's biological. It's the facts. When we love others, when we hug others, when we tell others that Christmas story, when we forgive others, when we hang out with our friends at a funeral and we comfort them by pointing to that resurrection. God is still with you. Remember that this Christmas Eve. This is not just a Christmas one day celebration. This is a reminder that he is still Emmanuel. He is still with you. So therefore, no matter whatever you are facing, maybe it's sins, maybe it's something you've done even today. Maybe it's words you have said already this morning. You are forgiven. He does not forsake. He is with you. Even as you look at our own death, our own fears, just like that little boy in the woods. You might not know where you're going. You might not know what tomorrow brings after Christmas. But God is with you. And that's all that matters. Merry Christmas.